right, here we go. Matthew 27, 11. And Jesus stood before the governor and the governor asked him saying, art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus said unto him, thou sayest. And when he was accused of the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. Then said Pilate unto him, hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee? And he answered him to never a word. Insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. He didn't defend himself. He didn't even try to fight back. Now at that feast, the governor was wont to release unto the people a prisoner whom they would. And they had then a notable, a notorious, notorious, that's what that word means, prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, whom will ye that I release unto you, Barabbas or Jesus, which is called Christ? For he knew that for envy they had delivered him. When he was set down at the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him saying, have thou nothing to do with that? What? Just man. For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said unto them, whether of the twain will ye that I release unto you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate saith unto them, what shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? They all said unto him, let him be crucified. And the governor said, why? What evil hath he done? But they cried unto him the more saying, let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult, a a riot began to take place. He took water and washed his hands before the multitude saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. Then answered all the people and said, his blood be on us and our children. In other words, we take full responsibility for this. Verse 26, then released he Barabbas unto them. And when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the sweet spirit today. Thank you for those who have gathered together to hear your word. Lord, it's a great crowd this morning. And I'm sure uh, Lord is blessed and, and fair of you also. And God, I pray that you'll help us to learn today. Help us to uh, be excited today. Help us to be uh, inspired today. I, I want those who know Jesus to appreciate him more after today. I want them that do not know Jesus to come to know him as their personal savior. Lord, I pray that you'll use your word to edify your people. Use your word to strengthen your people. Use your word to motivate us to go tell somebody our story. Lord, we'll praise you and thank you for all that you've done. Lord, we'll give you the glory and the honor and the praise. Lord, you're the only one worthy. You're the only one that deserves it. And God, I pray that you don't let me say anything I shouldn't. Don't let me forget anything I should. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus, we pray. And all these things we ask of the Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Before we jump into this deal, let me kind of set the stage and kind of explain where we are. Uh, here we find ourselves, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, we, d- we talked about the character of Peter and his failure, the denial of Peter, he, the great fall of a great apostle, 
Uh, but we are thankful for God's restoration to repentance. Amen. Then we talked about Judas last week. We talked about uh, his privilege of being and walking with the Lord Jesus and being under the tutelage and under the teaching and the discipling of the Lord Jesus himself. And, and we understood that he regretted what he did, but he never did what? Repent, repent. Regret is not repentance. Say that with me, everybody. Feeling bad for what you do does not change your life. Are y'all with me? Now, this week, we're going to look at another character. We're going to look at another character, a character by the name of Barabbas. Barabbas. Uh, and, and here's what I need you to understand before we even get into the outline. As we see this, Jesus went under three different trials in the Jewish courts. Uh, three different trials where he was found guilty by the Jewish religious leaders. Uh, they all had false witnesses. None of their false witnesses could agree, but yet they found a just man, an innocent man, uh, guilty anyways. It was a sham court. After this, because they did not have the ability or the authority to uh, execute a man that was only in the Roman hands, they had to go to the Roman authorities, the Roman government, to get the ability to crucify him. They wanted to kill him. They wanted him out of their lives forever. And so they took him to Pilate. This is about five o'clock in the morning. Five o'clock in the morning, they take Jesus to Pilate, to the praetorium, and they wouldn't even go in because they... they <laughs> Self-righteous hypocrites, uh, they're, they're, they have proclaimed guilt on an innocent man. And so they are establishing a way to execute an innocent man, but yet they're so religious, they won't go into a Gentile court so that they could find and fulfill and take part in their religious festivities that day. How sad. So they bring him to Pilate. Pilate interviews him and he says, man, this, this, this man hasn't done anything. They go to him and says, I find no fault in this man over and over. What, listen, crucify him, crucify him. He's a seditionist. He, he causes insurrection. He, he causes people uh, to, to, he says he's a king and he's against the wrong. I mean, they're trying, they're pulling everything out they can to get Pilate to execute Jesus over and over again. Pilate says, I find no fault in him. What evil hath he done? What has he done? He goes and gets Jesus and tries to get Jesus to defend himself and says, do you see what they're saying? In other words, Pilate's saying, give me something. Give me something so I can help you. Pilate did not want to execute Jesus. It even says, it even says that he knew for envy that they have brought Jesus here. He knew the self-righteousness of the Pharisees. He knew uh, that... There was no question about he knew Jesus. He knew the, the miracles that he did. He knew the things and the, and, the, and the life that he had lived. And he knew he was innocent. He, he declared him innocent. And we'll go into detail about that in a minute. But the point is, he finally comes. He even sends him to Pilate. Or excuse me, he sends him to Herod. Herod's the governor in Galilee. Uh, they say, listen, he has preached this stuff and, and cre created sedition from Galilee all the way down. He's wait a minute, Galilee. He's from Galilee. Oh, and so he sends him to Herod <coughs> trying to get it off his hands. Yeah. Well, Herod finds no guilt in him, finds no fault in him. Jesus never said a word to him. Wouldn't even look at him. Herod was the one who killed his cousin, John Baptist. And so he sends him back now still in, and, 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 
I mean, everything but a riot is taking place. And he says, I got it. I got it. I know what to do. You see, it was a tradition of that day. It was a tradition of that day that, that the Roman government would release a prisoner uh, uh, to the people as a goodwill gesture just to try to keep, uh, try to keep decorum in the city. Are y'all with me? Said, I got it. I'll pick the worst one in the prison. I'll pick the worst guy we've got. And we'll say, which would you rather have? Barabbas or Jesus? And in his logic, in his thinking, he said, there is no way. There is no way they'll pick Barabbas. So he comes out onto the court and the people are below. And he says, I tell you what, you know, this is our thing. This is what we do every year. We turn loose a prisoner. Who would you rather have Barabbas or Jesus? And about that time, about that time, he gets a message from his wife. And so he goes back in and his wife's message is do not mess with this man. This is an innocent man. This is a just man. Whatever you do, do not harm this man, Jesus. Well, while he's in there getting a message from his wife, all of the Pharisees, all of the high priests, they're instigating and stirring up the people say, ask for Barabbas, ask for Barabbas. We want to crucify Jesus. Ask for... So they stirred up all the people so that when Pilate comes back, he says, okay, what'll it be? Barabbas or Jesus. Jesus. And they cry, Barabbas. Barabbas. So Pilate has nothing else he can do. And you got to understand, you say, why was he so adamant? Why didn't he just tell everybody to, well, he done got in trouble a couple of different times. And he was on thin ice with the Roman government. In any other insurrection, insurrection that takes place, if there's another incident that takes place in Jerusalem, Pilate could be killed. He would lose his, he would lose his position, but he could also lose his head. And so instead of manning up and doing what he should have done, he gave in to the people for his political career. They said, we have no king but Caesar. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now, knowing all of that, let's look at this man, Barabbas. Let's examine Barabbas in comparison to Christ. This message is going to be a message about contrast, comparing one to the other. So if you're ready to get started, say amen. amen. Look at number one. First of all, we see the sinner. We see the sinner. The Bible says, I gave you three or four different verses out of the different gospels that describe because if you want to really get a good, solid picture of a situation where all the gospels cover it, read all the gospels, put them together, and you'll get the whole picture. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. All right. In Matthew, the Bible says he's a notable prisoner, a notorious prisoner. He was well known. Everybody knew about him. Everybody knew about his crimes. Everybody knew about who he was. In Mark, the Bible says in verse 6, chapter 15, verse 6, now at the feast, he released unto them one prisoner, whomsoever they desired. And there was one named Barabbas who lay bound with, with them, who lay bound with them. We're going to come back to that. That's very important. That had made insurrection with him who had committed 
murder in the insurrection. So first we see he's notorious. He's well known. Now we see he's a what? He's a murderer. He's an insurrectionist, a murderer. Luke 23 verse 17 says, for of necessity, he must release one unto them at the feast. And they cried all out at one, or they cried out all at once saying, away with this man and release unto us Barabbas, who for certain sedition made in the city and for murder was cast into the prison. John 18, 40, John 18, 40. They cried, they then cried, they all again saying, not this man, but Barabbas. Read it with me. Now, Barabbas was a robber. robber. So we see he's notorious. He's an insurrectionist. He, cre- he, he committed sedition. He was a murderer. He was a thief. Are y'all with me? Say amen. All of these things describe this man. I mean, he has got a rap sheet like nobody. Say amen. Now, as we write this outline out, I want you to write these three things down. First of all, first of all, he was convicted. Write that down. He was convicted. He was guilty. He was awaiting execution. There was no question. He was guilty. There was no question whether he was innocent or guilty. There was no question whether or not he did what they said he did. He was found guilty and he was waiting execution. He was guilty. Say it with me. He was guilty. Now, let me remind you of another group of people that's kind of like Barabbas. The Bible says, Romans 3.10, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23, for all have and come short of the glory of God. Now, I looked up that word insurrection. You know what it means? It means a rising against authority, rebellion. Do you know what sin is? It's a rise against authority. Here is the basic definition of sin. If God said to do it and you don't, it's sin. If God says don't do it and you do it, it's sin. What is it? Rebellion against God's authority. Wow. Wow. That describes Barabbas. But guess who else is describing? Us. Oh, mercy. Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2. And you hath he quickened. The word quickened means made alive. Who were dead in your trespasses and in sins. Where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. In other words, you lived according to the devil. The devil's the prince of the power of the air. Watch this now. Among whom also, what's the next two words? Everybody say it. We all had our conversation in time past in the lust of the flesh, revealing the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. I've heard people say this, I've always been a Christian. That's a lie. You have not always been a Christian. You were born a sinner. You came into this world broken. David said this, in sin did my mother conceive me. I arrived condemned. I arrived a sinner. I arrived broken. I did not become a Christian till I was born again, till my life changed. You have not always been a Christian. So as, as you are a Christian now or profess to be a Christian, don't lift your nose at people who are in sin right now because there was a day you were there too. We all were there. 
We all are guilty. We all are guilty. Say it with me. We all are. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none that is righteous. No, not one. We stand guilty before God. You didn't have to. You didn't have to. There was no defense. He was guilty. He was guilty. It was notorious. Everybody knew he was guilty. Secondly, write this down. I seen this. Secondly, he was confined. Write that down. Mark 15, seven. You remember what we read a while ago? It says, now there was one named Barabbas, which lay, what's that word? Bound. Say it with me. Which lay bound with them. He was not only guilty, he was incarcerated. He was confined. He was tied up. He was captive, if you will. Say, what's that got to do with us? Well, there was a day in our life we were the same way. The Bible says, 2 Timothy 2, 26, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil. Watch this now. Who are taken, everybody say it, who are taken captive by his will. At his will, Hebrews 2, 14, for as much then as the children of partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself took part, this is talking about Jesus, likewise took part of the same that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. So we have captive bondage. Romans six sixteen. know ye not. That to whom ye yield your servants to obey, ye servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. What is he saying? If you yield your body to sin, you are a slave to sin. So these three verses tell us we were captive, we were bound, and we were slaves to sin. Do you know why sinners sin? They can't help it. Sinners sin because they can't help it. Now, now you self-righteous Christians need to quit getting all bent out of shape because sinners do what sinners do. They do what they do because they can't help it. Oh, but see, this is when we get sideways. Uh, well, when Christians who proclaim Christ, who are supposed to be saved, say, well, we're just sinners. We just, this what we do. No, 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 no. You can help it. Before you are saved, you are captive. Before you are saved, you are in bondage to the devil and sin. Before you are saved, you have no ability. You have no power. You have no freedom. But the moment, according to the book of Romans, the moment you got saved, Jesus cut you free. Jesus set you free. Now you have ability. Now you have power. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. But see, sinners, they don't have that ability They don't have the Holy Spirit in them. They're still bound. They're still bound. And guess what? Every sinner, every lost person is just like Barabbas. They are guilty and they are bound. They are bound. Let's be careful. It's very easy. It's very easy for Christians to watch TV and see See wicked people do what wicked people do and get angry and get frustrated and and think, why are they doing that? Because if you wasn't saved, it's a great possibility you'd be out there with them. 
The God of this world. The God of this world, according to scripture, the God of this world hath blinded their minds. They just can't see. They're bound. I'm I'm the first one to get mad. I'm the first one to see stupid stuff on TV and just get frustrated and just want to burn the whole lot. I mean, we want to be like John and his brother and said, shall we call fire down from heaven? That's what the disciples did. And Jesus just went. (laughs) And you know what Jesus said? You don't get it. I didn't come to destroy them. I come to deliver them. And you won't be calling fire down. They're blind. When Jesus looked upon the multitudes, the Bible says he was moved with compassion on them. And this is how he saw them. He saw them as sheep having no shepherd. They can't help it. They're bound. They're captive. They're blinded by Satan. We see Barabbas was convicted. He was guilty. He was confined. But then see, write this down. He was condemned. He was condemned. He was going to die for his transgressions. The Bible says, Romans 6.23, Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is, let's say it again, for the wages of sin is, death. John three seventeen. Jesus is speaking. And he said, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now he that believeth on him is not condemned, but here's the sad truth. Here's reality folks. Everybody in here, here's reality. But he that believeth not is, he is because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Romans 5.12 Wherefore, as by one man, that's Adam, sin entered into the world. And death by sin, death came right behind sin. Because the wages of sin is. So where sin comes, death follows. And so death passed upon Come on now, y'all getting quiet. So death passed upon all men men for that all have sinned. sinned. You know what that means? That means we're all under condemnation. That means everybody in this building, Fairview, everybody in your building, we're all condemned. If you're on this planet breathing air, you're condemned. Oh, but preacher, I've been a real good person and I've never, I've never smoked and I've never chewed and I've never run with those who do. But guess what? Before you decided not to smoke and drink and chew and run with those who do, you were condemned. Not smoking, not drinking, not chewing did not change the fact that you were condemned. We're all condemned. I, somebody the other day, somebody the other day, we were talking, cutting up, having a big time. 
And some, somehow the topic got on beer, of all things. And when I told him, I've never had a beer. Not one single time has beer ever crossed my lips. Not one single time. They were in shock. Let me explain. When I was a kid, all my uncles were alcoholics. At a family reunion one day, when I was about five or six, I don't know how old it was, I was a little old bitty fella. Well, I just had to have one of my Uncle John's uh, genuine draft miller. <clears throat> I heard that's the worst out of all of them. I don't know. I don't have no idea. <laughs> Uncle John, let me have one. Please let me have one. Please let me have one. He said, well, here. And he handed it to me. I got it right about here, Brother Mickle. And the aroma coming out of that bottle went up into my nostrils and my brain said, uh-uh. I got sick to my stomach and I'm thinking, dear God, how in the world can someone put something that stinks that bad into their lips? I have no problem. What about smoking? I said, no. I've never had a cigarette in my mouth. Never wanted to. Always hated the smell of it. Actually, I was always afraid I wouldn't be able to quit if I tried because everybody says how hard it is to quit. That's the same thing with coffee. Everybody says, oh, coffee. You hear people, oh, I got to have my coffee, got to have my coffee. So every time in the morning time when they say, preacher, you want a coffee? No, just give me a Coke. <laughs> Y'all caught that, didn't you? Sometimes Nicky Joe, you a little slow, amen. I just. But you know what? When it comes to salvation, all of that's irrelevant. It don't matter. It don't matter if I've never had a beer. It doesn't matter if I've never had a cigarette in my mouth. Listen, I am just as guilty as the one that's drunk this building full of beer. Because I ride broken. Your good deeds, your morality, it doesn't change the fact that you're condemned. Jesus did not come to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be. He that believeth is not condemned. Watch this now. But he that believeth not, if you've never come to Christ for salvation, if you've never put your faith in Christ and believed on him, repented and turned to Christ to receive the offering of salvation that he has, you're already condemned. I'm not being judgmental. I'm not being, I just told you I was as guilty or even as more because I grew up in church. I'm not being judgmental. I'm just telling you, we're condemned. Everyone in this room, you might as well say, you might as well say, I'm Barabbas. Because I'm guilty. I was confined. I lived a life that was wrong and I could not help it. I was condemned. That was before Jesus. Now, if you, if you are not saved, you're still condemned. Are y'all with me? Say amen. That's the sinner. That's Barabbas. That's Barabbas. Let's review real quick. Let's see. Barabbas, A, was. Come on, everybody. A, he was. B, he was. C, he was. Condemned. But let me show you what happened. Let me show you what happened. Pilate said, I got a plan. 
I got a plan, his last ditch effort to free the Lord didn't go as he planned. Now, number one, we see the sinner. Number two, we see the substitute. A, he was wrongly convicted. He was wrongly convicted. Write that down. We learned in the first point with, with Barabbas, Barabbas was, starts with a G. Say it, everybody. Barabbas was, but you're going to see Jesus was innocent, innocent. The Bible says in Mark 14, 55, and the chief priests and all the council sought for witness against Jesus to put him to death and found none. Say it with me. And found for many bear false witness against him, but their witness agreed not together. So they lied. They found him guilty when he was innocent. In the Jewish court, they bring him to Pilate. Watch what Pilate says, Matthew 27, 24. When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but rather a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude saying, read it with me. I am innocent of the blood of this. See ye to it. Now watch this. Everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. Let me read a few things to you. The New Testament records seven witnesses who declare and confirm the innocence of Jesus. In Matthew 27, 4, Judas Iscariot said, I betrayed innocent blood. In Luke 23, 4, Pilate said, I find no fault in this man. In Luke 23, 15, Herod, Herod said, there's nothing worthy of death that has been done by this man. In Matthew 27, 19, Pilate's wife said, have nothing to do with that just man. In Luke 23, 41, the dying thief on the cross, the dying thief on the cross said, this man hath done nothing amiss. In other words, he's saying he's innocent. The Roman centurion, Luke 23, 47 said, truly this man was righteous. The Roman guards at the cross, the Roman guards at the cross, Matthew 27, 54 Truly, this one was the son of God. Seven different groups of people declared Jesus innocent. Seven different times, Pilate himself declared Jesus innocent. After his first conversation with Jesus, Pilate said, I find no fault in this man. After Jesus returned to Pilate from Herod, Pilate said, behold, I've examined him. I found no fault in this man touching those things whereof ye accuse him. No, nor yet Herod. After offering to release a prisoner to the Jews and offering to scourge Jesus and release him, Luke records, it says in Luke 23, 22, and he said unto them the third time, what evil hath he done? I find no cause of death in him. When he washed his hands before the multitude in Matthew 27, 24, declaring the innocence of Jesus, Pilate said, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. After Jesus had been mocked and whipped and a robe put on him, Pilate brought him forth to show the people in John 19, 4 and said, behold, I bring him forth to you that ye may know that ye may know that I find no fault in him. When Pilate gave permission for his crucifixion, 
He said, take ye him and crucify him for I find no fault in him. John 19, six. After Pilate learned of Jesus' claim to be the son of God, it scared him to death. He runs back in to talk to Jesus again. He talked with Jesus for the last time. John records, upon this Pilate sought to release him. John 19, 7. Thus declaring, in fact, the innocence of Jesus for the seventh time. Seven times. Seven different groups of people said he is innocent. What do we have here? What do we have here? Everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. In this one picture, we have Barabbas and Jesus. In this one picture, we have the most guilty man alive. Watch this. And we have the most innocent man that ever lived. What a contrast. We see he was wrongly convicted. B, write this down. This is so important that you see this. He was willfully compliant. He was willfully compliant. (laughs) In the garden, write that down and look at me. In the garden, in the garden, I had the, the verses that tell about what happened in the garden in there, but I run out of space, so I took it out. But in the garden, Peter You know, he pulls the sword and cuts the ear off of the servant of the high priest, Malchus. And Jesus said, what are you doing? What are you doing? They that live by the sword will die by the sword. He said, put the sword up. Don't you understand? Don't you? This is what he said. Don't you understand that I could call 12 legions of angels? In other words, I could at the snap of my finger... Thousands of angels come and dispatch everybody in this garden. Y'all with me? He wasn't helpless in the situation. Now watch what it says. Watch what it says. Matthew 27, 12. And when he was accused of the chief priests and elders, he he answered nothing. John 19, 11. Jesus answered, thou couldst have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. John 10, 17, therefore doth my father love me. Read it with me. Because I laid down my, look at verse 18. Read it with me. No man, come on now. I need everybody, everybody real loud. No man taketh it from me, but I. Let's read that part again. Everybody fair view real loud. Read it again. Preacher, what are you saying? He was willing to go to the cross. He didn't fight it. He didn't argue. He didn't defend himself. He went willingly. Nobody killed Jesus. He gave his life. Number three, or C, he was wickedly crucified. Possibly next week, the next message we find, we're going to go into detail about the crucifixion. We won't do it today because it's really not the topic. But it was heinous. And he set Barabbas free and crucified an innocent man. Now here's the application. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. 
All that was, all that was the intro. This is the message. What happened to Barabbas? What happened to Barabbas? A place was exchanged. A place was exchanged. Now I want to go back to Mark. I want to go back to Mark just a minute and kind of help you see the true picture here. In Mark chapter 15, verse 7, in Mark chapter 15, verse 7, now let's if you flip your paper back over, because I know y'all on the wrong side. <laughs> flip your paper back over. Look under, look under the center at the very top and look at Mark 15. When you get there, say amen. amen. Verse seven. And there was one named Barabbas, which lay with, then that means there was what? More than one. There was more than one bound. There was more than one guilty. Now, that had made insurrection, who had committed murder in the insurrection. Now, let's skip down to John 18. Let's find out what them were doing. Then cried they all again, saying, not this man, but Barabbas. Now, Barabbas was a, what was he? Everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. He's bound up with multiple people. He is a, so if his clan, if he's a robber, what does that mean? His people are, they're robbers. Can any, anybody remember the description given by the two people on each cross? Y'all forget so easily. Jesus was crucified between two. Guess what? Guess what? He was scheduled to be executed. That means the middle cross belonged to Barabbas was the notorious one. Barabbas was the well-known murdering. His clan had gotten captured and there was an execution scheduled. Listen, this, this didn't just happen to Jesus. Everybody has this idea that this just came to me and said, well, we, we need to, we need to, Jesus needs to be crucified. So let's go crucify him. Let's just pick two other people. No, this was already scheduled. This was already planned. Barabbas and his two partners were going to be executed, but someone took his place. Now, some of y'all, if y'all had any spirit in y'all at all, you already would be shouting. He took Barabbas' place. Jesus did not just die for him. He died instead of him. So what happens to Barabbas? Does he have to wait for a later execution? No. Watch this. B. We not only see, we not only see a place exchanged, but then we see a pardon experienced. 
Look what it says. The Bible says that he crucified Jesus. Matthew 27, 26 says, then release. Say that with me. Then release he Barabbas unto them. Now let me apply that. Let me apply that. Everybody look at me. I know you're out of, you're out of blanks, but look at me right here. Say, preacher, you said you was going to be encouraging. So far, you said we was going to condemn sinners to die. Well, here's the encouragement. For the, for the saved in the room, let me help you understand exactly what happened for you. Isaiah 53, 4. Isaiah 53, 4. Watch this now. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of was. And when his stripes, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. The Lord hath laid on him the iniquity. Are y'all getting the picture? He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as sheep before his shears is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. Who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off of the land of living. Watch this. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. Not for his own sin. He was innocent. Not for his own deed. Not for his own need. Not for his own salvation. He made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death because he had done no violence. Neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. That's us, y'all. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days in pleasure. The pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many For he shall, what? He shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with the transgressors, that's them two murdering thieves, and he bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. 2 Corinthians, New Testament 5, 21. For he hath made him to be sin. Who knew, no, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. If you're here today and you're saved, you ought to leave this building shouting, testifying, praising, giving God glory that he took your cross. We are Barabbas. We are guilty. We are convicted. We were confined. We were condemned. But Jesus willingly, willingly, on purpose, took your cross. You should be so thankful. Well, I'll tell you what, I've been having a rough time and I've been struggling in this and struggling with that. Well, you ain't on the cross. I, listen, 
we got to get our, we got to get our perception right. My wife had two jobs for me yesterday. Yeah. I got in-laws coming in for Carter's birthday and it's going to kill me before it's over. I had painting to do on the inside and painting to do on the outside. The painting on the inside was the worst kind of painting down on your knees to paint base trim. Y'all with me? Hate it. But let me tell you something, Jack. Mo, when I got through staining that deck from the morning till two o'clock in the afternoon, I was thanking God for that air conditioning to paint them baseboards. It brought a whole new picture to something I used to hate. Thank God for that. Woo, paint that baseboard, baby. Give me some more. What's the point? Get your eyes off the economy. Get your eyes off the Supreme Court. Get your eyes off the politics. Get your eyes off of inflation and get your eyes on that middle cross. And when you realize you should have been on that middle cross, everything else pales in comparison. Give him praise and glory and honor in the house today. I'll take a little struggle. I'll take a little tribulation. I'll take a little persecution. I'll take hate from the far left. I'll take it all. Thank God I ain't on that middle cross. Hallelujah. Boy, I got God bumps on my neck. Hallelujah. Some of y'all don't know what we're shouting about. You don't know what we've been singing about all day because you're still like one of them thieves. And I ain't talking about the one who declared Jesus innocent. Who Jesus said today, thou shalt be with me in paradise. You're the still the skeptical one on the other side. Listen, you can be forgiven today. You can be delivered today. I don't know about y'all, but I've been going through, I've been going through all this about what's fixing to happen on Wednesday night Bible study. And I'm telling you what, if you've been missing Wednesday night Bible study, I, I, I'm just telling I ain't doing this to motivate you to come, but I'm telling you, you are missing it. Every single week that goes by, I get more and more excited for Jesus coming. I'm telling you, it jacks me up. I can't wait for him to get here. And that's the way we should be. But you're not going to anticipate the return of Christ if you haven't realized that you should have been on that middle cross. So today, I ask you to put your faith in Christ. I ask you to come to Christ so that you can experience forgiveness. Let me, let me read one more verse. The Bible says in Isaiah 55, 7, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man, his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly Pardon. And all God's people see it. 